Welcome back to the David Cotter Experience, everybody. Um, this is episode nine, uh, Connor O'Keefe, Understanding Mental Health. So for anyone that doesn't know Connor, Connor is a mental health advocate. He is a professional like, um, adventurer. He has a podcast, which is called Flip the Script, and he's over 16,600 followers on Instagram. Um, on top of that, he's a genuinely really nice guy. He was one of the first people I ever saw on Instagram that was really just being himself and kind of a silly version of himself, you know, and I suppose that's kind of what drew me to him. Anyway, we kind of get into the meat and bones of the um, the mental health chatter. And I think, you know, given the month that we're in, November men- Men's Mental Health Month, um, I think it's a fitting topic. Um, so anyway, without further ado, here we go, episode nine. Houston, uh, Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. That's one small step for man. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Maradona just walked away from Motherland. Maradona With the age of 20, I went to London and I won the Mr. Universe contest as the youngest Mr. Universe ever. And it was because I had a goal. Let me tell you this, the older you do get, the more rules are going to try to get you to follow. <laughs> you just got to keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. You know, when I go to sleep at night, I'm not just a guy going to sleep. I'm two-time Golden Globe winner Jim Carrey going to get some well-needed shut-eye. And when I dream, I don't just dream any old dream. No, sir. I dream about being three-time Golden Globe winning actor Jim Carrey. Warning, you got some more in there. 21, yeah, get it again. Come on, we want to see it. Good, 22. Who's going to carry the boats and the logs? A man is supposed to take care of his family because it's my duty to take care of you. I owe a responsibility to you. This is the calm before the storm, before the surge. And when it comes, and it will come, never will so many ask so much of so few. Conor O'Keefe, mental health advocate, podcaster, ultra runner. I suppose you could call yourself a professional explorer. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks very much for having me on now, Dave. I know it's been a while uh, talking about it for us to get on and have a chat together, but uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so like like I said to you off air, like we... I kind of, you were very much an inspiration for me when I was starting this, you know, a couple of weeks back, I started on the sep- September 14th or 16th, I can't remember now exactly. But I suppose just seeing how you conducted yourself online was a big way for, you know, a big fucking bit of fuel for me to start it. So I just want to say thank you for being a, a bit of an inspiration. And I suppose you probably didn't even know that from afar, but you, you really are influencing people for the good. Thanks very much, man. I, I'm, I appreciate that. Um, a question for you: How? Yeah. 
your your um I know you had a bit of disappointment a couple of weeks back now with the, the project 32. Do you want to do you want to let people know what that was about? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I suppose I'd have been I I'd been having um a disappointing turn of things since the summer. Uh in ways like, you know, I suppose I'm I always tr- I'm an, I'm a cla- I'm a glass half full type of guy like all the time as much as I possibly can now there's a certain point in time where you just have to go fuck this this is shitty like you know what I mean and you can't wrap it up in a in a good kind of uh you know in a, in a good light and I think it's healthy sometimes to kind of throw your hands up in the air and kind of go fuck this you know it's kind of shit um but I've been kind of um I've been very very much reflecting on uh, my time you know after the postponement of Project 32. And I've really kind of seen that, you know, there was only one way that this was was going to go, the way that I was going, the way that I was training and the way that I was treating my body. I really was going against a lot of the principles, actually, that I had held dear for a very, very long time. And I wasn't really looking after myself. You know, I wasn't look. I was, I was very much like, I was pointing myself in so many different directions. I had no real, um, you know, method of actually giving myself any rest. Even when I was resting, I was thinking about training or I was thinking about doing something else or I was thinking about, you know, the podcast or I was thinking about, you know, ways that I can, uh, that I can, you know, uh, create my, you know, and, and maintain my business. I was doing, I was doing an awful lot of, being very restless when I was trying to rest. And I think that's bit me in the ass at the end of the day. I, I, I never gave my body an opportunity to fully heal. And it, it started in the summertime. I had a, um, I, I did an awful lot of really, really hard training and hard training basically for the sake of it being really, really hard as in like, starting training sessions when my body was already really broken down and in some ways kind of hoping that maybe I'll get into the flow of it halfway through or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. and really not listening at all to my body. If my body was there, like sitting across from me, you know, looking at me, having a cup of coffee with me, you'd be kind of saying, here, Con, we're we're kind of fucked here. And you're just asking us to get up out of bed every single day and to keep milling it and milling it and milling it. And that was only going to go one way. and you know, I, th- which basically led me to a, another big disappointment in Kerryway Ultra, which um, was my first ever DNF of an ultramarathon. And I DNF at 163 kilometers. So I just got the 100 miles in before I, um, before I got, I got very, very badly injured and had to be, you know, ha- ha- I, sorry, I didn't have to be pulled from it. I pulled myself from it. I made the choice. Mm. Like it was, it was kind of like, do I have, you know, there was a lot of things going through my mind, but there was definitely a big thing of, do I have anything to prove to people? Is this, is this something that I'm doing strictly for other people or is it something that I'm doing for me and my own fulfillment? And then after that injury, I had already said that I was going to do Project 32. Then in November, um, I would be uh, 11 days into it at this stage if it was, uh, if it was to be. Um, great great thing that I didn't do it because I've uh, since had a back injury and I've also had a uh, a really bad chest infection um, as well so basically that this has been I think like I think I will look back on this time and kind of go 
fuck it, that was when a lot of things started to change for me in, the, mm. in a positive way, you know, in a really positive way. But yeah, Project 32, 32 marathons, 32 days, 32 counties with 32 pounds on my back. Um, it's something that I'm definitely going to do, but it has to be the right time because if it's not the right time, I will be forcing myself to go against those principles again. You know, mm. there's, a, there's a principle that I have of let's push ourselves. Let's see what we can actually do. Let's see what we can achieve in terms of endurance. And on the other side of it, there is, you know, are we being good to ourselves in, in that way? Like, you know, you know, yes, there are certain aspects of life when you kind of have to go, this isn't really good for me, but it's something that's at the end of it, it's something that I want to achieve. Um, but it's about where the intention is. Where's that coming from? Where do I? Where does this want and desire come from? You know, and that's where I'm. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm at with it now. Like, you know. Yeah, that's something I noticed about you straight away. Like, you have a serious sense of like, you know, the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other. As in, like, the devil being your David Goggins telling you to get up, get fucking going, and do every day wreck your body. And I think just when you were saying couple minutes ago about you know you could look across at you know and you're seeing a projection of yourself that just isn't able to go but now you have the kind of maturity where you're kind of like it's not good it's not good for me i need to pull myself out of it because it's going to get worse for me and i think that's kind of what one of the main things that drew me to you initially so in the start i suppose i kind of i actually think my first interaction with something about you i was reading an article i'd say it was probably close to an hour and a half two or an hour and a half a year and a half to two to two years ago um about your first i think it was your first ultra um was it a 200 miler and you won it in england is that right it was that's my it was my second that was my second ultra okay yeah. so that's that's where i first came across you and to be honest, the only reason I read the article was because it was a cork man that did it. And I was like, oh, you're fucking, there he is, boy, flying, flying the flag. And uh, <laughs> so without even knowing you, I was happy for you. Do you know what I kind of So I read the article and I said, Jesus, I said, I must fucking see if I can find this fella now on, on Instagram. So I got to your Instagram. And as I was going through it, like I, I didn't know you were a, um, a mental health advocate at the time. And to be honest, I no clue about mental health i did a podcast a couple of weeks back and i no clue how big you know mental health is to people i kind of thought you know it's this thing that's talked about enough on the radio I, that, that was my initial feeling and to be honest initially there was this whole idea in my brain that there's a lot of insincerity around mental health issues you know and i think that's probably a bad thing for me to say but you know there was for me, you'd see a lot of people talking online and you, there was just an, a sense of insincerity. But when I got to your page, it was the first time I kind of looked at someone and I said, there is a fucker now. I said, and do you know what you remind me of as well? It was kind of Jim Carrey. The, the way you were quite comical in your, your videos, you would scroll in and out from your face or zoom in and out and you'd point at something fucking, something silly in the ditch or you know, something like that. And you just pointed out very simply. And I just thought the way that he put it, and then I swear to God, it was like um, it was like a serendipitous moment. I'd gone on YouTube and I was watching a David Goggins video, and next thing underneath it came fucking um, um, a Jim Carrey speech. I was like, okay. And at the time, I hadn't put the two of you together in 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 my way together. So then he was talking about being depressed, and it's your body's way of saying that you need a deep rest. 
and you need to strip yourself from the avatar that you've created of yourself, which isn't the real you. It's what you've created in order to fit, into, fit in with society. And I said, Jesus, I said, this guy now is one of the first guys I've ever seen online that looks like he's after stripping the shackles of society off his back and just going for it. So that, that's, where I came, that's where I came about uh, across you, if you were ever one of them. <laughs> that's uh, to be honest with you like um i've definitely like jim carrey and the way he talks about it in that way like you know like he 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 flirts with nihilism like he flirts with the idea that life is kind of almost meaningless but like in some ways he turns the idea like of you know life being meaningless in terms of like you know we we have a tiny tiny period of time on this earth you know what i mean as mm -hmm. human beings we have you know 90 years if we're lucky you know what i mean and then you know um and that's a blip in terms of the world so it's like well if you've got this tiny amount of time that seems very very significant to us why not do what you want to do with it you know what i'm saying and, mm -hmm. and why not live it in the way that you want to live it you know and that's that's I could definitely see, you know, I could definitely see the con the um, the comparisons between Jim Gary and I in terms of the kind of uh, uh, the kind of mannerisms, the way you talk, yeah. and the kind of you know the silliness of it. Like you know, you don't take yourself too yeah. seriously, which is something I like anyway with people, you know. Yeah. Um, but then you started your podcast, and I obviously got to know you without you knowing me, you know. And I thought your story was very interesting. Do you want to give people that are listening, you know, a little introduction here to, I think it was in your first two podcasts, you kind of gave an overview of your childhood and growing up and how you actually struggled with your own mental health. Do you want to give people a kind of uh, an introspective yeah. look at how you kind of battled your demons early on, seeing as it is um, men's feckin' mental health month? Yes, bye. It's, it's International Men's Day now on Friday as well. So I hope everybody is, uh, you know, getting out and doing a bit of getting outside and moving the body and getting active and um, or maybe not. Maybe just enjoying themselves and relaxing, taking it easy, laying down the couch, watching their favorite show or whatever. Fact but, about it, just doing something good for their mental health. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, for me, like, I think... Um, my mother has had a huge influence on how I've thought about my upbringing and how I thought about my childhood and how I thought about, you know, how certain things lead uh, you to make certain choices or to be like a, a certain person, you know, it's like, cause my mother is in her final year of becoming a psychotherapist. Right. And in that, within that, you almost, it's like Navy SEAL training. Like they break you down and then rebuild you, you know, into mm -hmm. an, into an, a different and a newer and, you know, you could, someone, some could say a better person or a better version of yourself, right? And she's gone through that process. She's coming the, out the other side of that process now. So I've seen it as my mother, who was completely different to the person that I see now, um, you know, go through this process and, mainly it's come from her ability to be aware about who she is, how she became who she was, her, how her childhood and how her upbringing and how her, you know, uh, her first five to 10 years and 15 years of life have led her to be, you know, the person that she was in the first 20, 25, 30 years of her life. And then how that informed her to be the 45, you know, 50 year old. Mm -hmm. And so, I really thought about that and I thought about the idea of, you know, like, all right, 
like how, why did I choose to be first of all why did I choose to be a Thai boxer you know of all sports you know uh, why did I choose then after that to be an ultramarathon runner you know why did I choose you know certain things within my life and um, remember when I was about six years old we moved to we moved from uh, you know um, from Mayfield where I was literally like I you know there was 30 a row, a houses on a row of houses inside of our estate on one side and 30 on the other side and you know, you could call out for loads, loads of people my age out on the street, and you could always have a like little game of soccer, or a game of chasing, or whatever the case would be. Or a bit of fighting, and, or a bit of fighting, <laughs> which I really enjoyed as well at the time. Um, but it was, and then I changed. Then I, I like, I was, we were, we moved out to Glamire, and like we lived lived in a part of Glamire that was quite secluded. It was really underdeveloped at the time, and it was out in the countryside. And then I still stayed going to school in Mayfield. Um, I didn't really play GAA or anything in the in the in the parish like in Glanmire, and so I felt isolated from you know from the community really like you know and mm. it, it, like from people my age and from the normal kind of you know run of it when you're six and seven or eight years old when you have mates that are just like you know you can call down the road to them you know what I mean yeah, yeah. and so I felt like there was one thing that I gained from that was I was out in the countryside. I was actually able to like go wandering around and exploring and getting more in touch, I suppose, with the outdoors. I loved being outside. I was like, it was like, you know, it would start getting dark, you know, in the summertime there around half nine at night, like and I'd still be out like making a base or I'd still be out like wandering around the place and doing, doing things like, you know, within the outdoors. And so, I really found comfort in the outdoors for a very, very long time. And then, you know, it, then as you get kind of older and you move into secondary school and that kind of stuff, you know, uh, school and sports and girls and stuff like that take over and you don't really have as much time for shit acting around the place, uh, you know, mm. collecting fucking pieces of wood from nearby factories to make bases and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I moved, I shifted away from that. And um, I really felt like, you know, from that time as a child, all I really wanted, you know, was to, to feel like I belonged, to feel like I was part of something, to feel like I was part of, a, you know, a group of friends or, the, you know, a, a community, you know. And um, I, I, I really did bring that with me throughout my adolescence and I always wanted to belong. And that kind of uh, made me into this kind of pleaser role in ways where I would just you know I'd be aiming to please people like even at my own expense or maybe insulting myself to like make people feel better about themselves or something mm -hmm. like that you know or you know these kind of um, self-deprecation and all this kind of stuff like just you know really trying to fit in and then like trying to put on this like class clown funny guy type you know um uh, persona which got me in a heaps of shit in secondary school which made it even tougher for me because not only did i avoid it hard to make friends i also spent an awful lot of time i should have been paying rent in the vice principal's office teachers weren't your friends either so not at all i'd like i'd imagine like you know like when you know, uh, um, the, the lads were saying there, like, you know, that I should go back to my school and do a talk with the students. I was, I'd love to, but I'd say they'd be fucking chasing me out of there. Like, you know? <laughs> <Beach> <laughs> like yeah, they're like, what the fuck is this guy doing back here? Like, you know what I mean? We got rid of that guy like 12 years ago. Why the fuck's he back? Um, Look who it but, is. All the teachers waiting for you with the fish. Yeah, absolutely. 
fucking bringing the bat, bring the bat to school day. Um, oh, no, man. it's it was like for me, you know, I found that that was that made secondary school quite tough for me, you know. And it wasn't until like later on in school, I kind of I kind of started to cop on to those kind of things. I I, I feel. And I didn't, and then I kind of went the opposite way around where I was like, I don't give a shit what anybody fucking thinks of me. Like, you know, it doesn't really, you know, bother me that much. And I was kind of having this, had this kind of scrappy type persona as well. I'd gotten in quite a few fights and a few arguments and stuff like that in school. And you get this kind of like, I suppose, not really tough guy persona, but you're like, this guy's fucking like unhinged a bit like you know what I mean he's like he's not to be messed with or whatever like you know in 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 sort of ways and then I leaned into that and then like I got I I was playing rugby because that was the main sport in school I went to CBC Christian Brothers and I wasn't really fantastic I was I was I was good you know I was aggressive but I wasn't a great rugby player. I didn't have a great rugby brain, like, you know, and so... I must ask you, I'm just going to butt in there. I remember you saying in your fucking, in your podcast that you were a chubby teenager and looking at you yeah. now, Christ almighty, like, there's no way I could imagine you being chubby, like... Yeah, no, I was. I definitely, like, I, 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 I comfort ate a lot when I was a young fella, like, you know, and Jesus Christ, my body loved putting on a bit of weight, like, you know. You must so have been, I, it must have came in handy so for the rugby. Yeah, like, I, the thing about it is, and it, like, throughout my time in school, I, 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 tend to, I tend to get, like, thinner and taller. So yeah, I moved yeah. from prop. I was a prop in first year. And then, like, in second year, I think I was a prop and a hooker. And then third year I was playing in second row and fourth year I was like back row and then I moved into the backs when I was like in fifth and sixth year like because I was after getting a bit bit skinny you know so yeah, I like yeah, I was yeah. in full back had a big boot and that was it and I I, I, I when I um, basically I was getting in fights in in, uh, in rugby and that was kind of what I was most known for really was just being the guy you used to get sent off or like was always handy to have on your team if there was a scrap after kicking off. And so I, I, had, I had joined to do boxing over on the north side of Cork City and uh, one of my buddies was like, you should try Thai boxing. Thai boxing, be, you'll be right up your street. And then I goes, all right, I, I will, so. And I remember walking into Siam Warriors Thai boxing gym at, uh, at seven, 17 years old. I think I was just turned 17. Might have even been 16. And uh, loved it immediately. Just like, was like, yeah, this is the fucking business. This is exactly what I want to do. Like, I, I was doing boxing at the time. Completely just said, yeah, no, boxing's fucking finito for me anyway. I want to use just, my legs. Yeah, want to use my legs. I've got long ass giraffe legs. I'm going to use them. And that's kind of the main impetus. And I just love, I love the training. But like, the, I only actually talked about this on the latest episode of my podcast was, the people there would be lads that were or, or and girls that would go there and just train you know just train for training for fitness you know to keep themselves fit and i always thought like why wouldn't you want to fight like you know but anyway it was kind of like for me that was kind of what i thought about at the time i was like why would you not want to fight but i think that there was lots of pent-up frustration and aggression and uh, that had led me to be that kind of uh, you know, quick-tempered, aggressive person that was in, you know, um, like in in secondary school and in rugby. And I think that was, I think that flame or, or maybe that, you know, it was in some way 
like it was given an outlet mm. when I was in Thai boxing. And so I felt like I got a bit calmer and I got a bit more level-headed. You know, I still had, a, I could still have a fucking vicious temper. Like, you know what I mean? Not, 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 not so much now, but like, uh, like when I was like, you know, in my early twenties, had a, had a problem with aggression, had a problem with temper and, you know, really did. And it was, it was stemming as well from like, the reason why I like Thai boxing so much was it was, you know, a sport that if you were fighting and you were good at it, that you'd get an awful lot of adulation for it because it's such a vicious sport that like it's it's an incredible spectator sport. You know what I mean? And people will come to see you then, your friends and your family will come to see you. And then, you know, people you don't even fucking know will be coming up to you and be like, hey, Connor, how are you doing by a nice fight and all this kind of stuff. So it would feed into something that I wanted for such a long time. And that was just to be good at something because I hadn't really been good at anything really before then. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I hadn't been good at school or good with girls or good with, you know, on, on you know, rugby sports, hadn't been good in any of the major areas of life. Mm-hmm. And so when I was good at Thai boxing, it really did tick that box for me. And so I was like, I was constantly trying to feed this animal that I was creating, this animal that wanted this, you know, to belong and wanted to be part of something, wanted to be part of the Thai boxing community, wanted to be part of, you know, what it was being created. And like, for, you know, to feel like I, I, I belonged in the group of lads that were fighting in there and stuff like that. I think that was one, one of the main reasons why I started to actually ask, could I start fighting in the first place? Was that, that when, when you came into the Thai boxing club, all of the people that just kind of trained and weren't really serious or weren't really fighting were down on the mats. Mm-hmm. And all of the fighters were inside the ring doing pads, right? The gladiators were in the ring, like, yeah. The gladiators were in the ring, and that was the separating point. It was like a, a, a like completely an unsaid rule that if you weren't fighting, you weren't in the ring. And, and even if there was only two guys in the ring and the fucking mats were absolutely crammed, you wouldn't really get many people that weren't fighting getting into the ring because you're giving the fighters more space if that's the case. You know what I mean? So my kind of, my ideology from the first thing, my, my, my aim from the first class was first and foremost, let's get in the fucking ring. Like, let's get, in the ring. <laughs> get me in that fucking ring. You know, fast. get in the ring, get, get doing the pads in the ring. And then, you know, because I'd, I'd have been starting f- and then start fighting and then become more respected through, through basically repeating that, training and fighting, training and fighting. And that's what I did. And then, you know, and then at the end of it, at the end of the Thai boxing career at around 22, really, 23, I fought on a few times afterwards, but I got knocked out um, in the last minute of the last round of an Irish title fight. And... It really just, it fucking devastated me, you know, um, because I hadn't really developed the personal skills to deal with failures, really, or shortcomings. You know what I mean? I hadn't really, it was a, it was a wound that would stay open and tender for a very long time, you know, and something that I just didn't want to think about and I didn't want to even talk about it. And, I, and when you're in this situation and you're, you've been handed a big F, You've been handed a big fucking, a big failure, a big L, a big loss. The first thing you want to do really is to redeem yourself. You want redemption. And so there was, what I found was throughout my life was I was searching for that distraction all the time. 
And so I was searching for a distraction from, from dealing with my own thoughts and dealing with my own internal thoughts. And so I was seeking that distraction. And so as soon as I lost that fight, all I was thinking about was recovering, getting myself kind of right and ready again, and then starting to train again and fight again. And like, I had been through like, you know, years of preparing to get to that point, right? Of constant training, constant fighting and wearing my body away to train really, really hard for a couple of months up until that fight, got in the ring, fought my fucking heart out, like to the edge of exhaustion and passed it and got knocked unconscious, got a very, very bad concussion. And yet all I was thinking about was getting back into the ring. And so back then it was completely normal. It was normal for me to think like that because I wanted to keep fighting and keep training and doing all of this shit. And so now that I think about it, no, I had a dependency on it. I had a dependency on what Thai boxing gave me. And that was... This, the sense of belonging, but also internally, not only the internal sense of belonging, but in t- internal sense of validation and value and worth mm-hmm. within myself. You know what I mean? I, like it was, it was giving me an awful lot more than just a couple of the cheers. It was giving me something to aim my fucking life at, like, you know? And so when I, when I got that huge devastating blow, I really felt like it was like you love somebody and you've been going out with them for years, and on your wedding day, you find out you were cheated on, right? It's like I was this close to getting everything I ever wanted in terms of winning an Irish title fight, and then it was stripped from underneath me, and I felt that devastation. I felt that level of devastation. I felt that like it was a loss. It was like some. It was like I had lost a loved one, like, you know. Yeah. And, and when it gets to that point where it's that fucking deep and that devastating, you're like. You've got a bad relationship with this. It's like you've a bad relationship with gambling or alcohol. I had a bad relationship with Thai boxing. And I think I, I, it would have been something else if not Thai boxing. So it was really coming from this uh, low self-esteem, low belief in myself, you know. And, and I think that that needed to be fed into, you know, that needed to be looked at, not fed. It had to be looked at from my own view and realize that I'm actually good enough without it, you know. Yeah, did you, do you know, like, was, do you think it would have always been a combat sport that you would have been attracted to? Because there is that sense of, there's two men in, or, or women, in the middle of a ring. The, the lights are on them. You know, that's, that is it. There's two gladiators in there. And the man who comes out on top is the, is the beast, like the man with the big balls. Mm. You know, did you need yeah. to, were you fulfilling yourself by dishing a beating on someone else? Or you thought, you know, like this was your way to get fucking, you know, you, you needed to see someone else get down for you to go up a peg, you know, that kind of way. Or was it just, you know, no, could, I could don't you have been fulfilled was, by any sport, do you think? Do you know, no, like, I don't think it was malicious. You know, I never had any bad will against my, you know, opponents. A lot of the times I knew my opponents. That's how small the Thai boxing community is. Like, you know, if you're, if you're fighting and you're in the same weight class, you'll get talking to lads when you're not fighting them. Yeah. And then fucking six months or a year down the line, you get a fight against them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's just the way it was. So I had no malice in me, really. Like, you know, I, all I wanted to do was to, was to have better skills than that man on that night. That's, that's basically mm. all I wanted. But, but what, I, what I think I wanted was that, that spotlight, though. 
you know that was definitely and it, like this is just coming from an, an honesty um that is is i've been fostering for the last number of years just a high level of personal honesty in myself and calling myself out on my own bullshit too you know what i mean because mm. bullshit ourselves a lot like you know and so i'm i'm saying like you know if i'm if if i'm you know basically i did uh, this is the this is the kind of um uh, scenario I played out in my head in the last two episodes of my podcast, right? Where I say, like, I would have answered the question of why do you fight back when I was fighting? I would have answered it with, I love fighting. I love fighting. Like, that's why I fight, right? And that's, and, and people be like, what the fuck are you doing this for? Like, you know what I mean? You're there eating your, like, boiled chicken and green beans, like, for two weeks straight, trying to cut weight and all this type of shit. And then you get in and you have to fucking fight another guy and it's vicious and you're elbowing the fucking heads off each other and stuff. Why do you do it? And I say, oh yeah, I love fighting. It's because I love fighting. But then, I, then right, I, I create this kind of, um, you know, hypothetical scenario, right? Where instead of fighting in a stadium and instead of fighting in front of 1,500 or 2,000 people in front of my friends and family and all these kind of stuff and all the lights on you, the big ring and the entrance musics and all this kind of stuff, you're actually fighting in the basement. Right? You're fighting in a basement and there's nobody else there. And it's just you, your opponent, and the referee and the judges. And there's nobody else there. There's no recordings of it. There's no nothing. No one's going to know about this fight. Right? It's just you and, and your opponent. You're going to fight. Right? Would you still fight? Like asking myself the question, would I still fight? And the answer is no. Right? Mm. And that, th- that then poses another question. Then why is the answer to the question of why you fight because I love fighting. If, if you love fighting, then you're obviously going to fight yeah. because you still get to fight. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not about the, so it's not just about fighting. Yes. I liked training for the fights and I liked, I liked when I caught people with good shots, when I won rounds, when I was having a good, you know, good time out there. Love that. And I, and I did. But I really, really did love the aspect of what it gave me. You know what I mean? What it, what it gave me in terms of my, you know, in social standing, let's say. You know, yeah. so I think that's that's where the big draw was for me. And, and that's, yet again, I've put myself under the microscope in the last couple of months. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm constantly thinking about why am I an ultramarathon? Why do I enjoy endurance sports and things like that? You know, because it's, it's, it's a question worth asking, you know? Yeah, yeah. So... And from your tie box, so you've been knocked out in the, the final round of an Irish Irish championship, is it? Yeah, an Irish Titan fight. Am I right in saying that you go to fucking the home of tie boxing for a while then to, to, to test the waters yeah. over there afterwards? Or is am, am I jumping ahead there? Uh, there's, uh, well, there's a bit of time in between, yeah. Like, there's, there's like, I, that was... The Irish title fight was in 2013, and I kept kind of fighting um, in in the UK and Ireland until about the end of 2014, and then I um, then I I entered the wilderness years, and not like the wilderness that I'm used to these days. Like uh, I entered the years of drinking and partying and smoking and um, you know gallivanting and. Later than most, be a, albeit, though, I suppose. Like, that's quite uh, late to be entering into that. And I think you've touched on that in your podcast yourself. Like, you were mid-20s, are you, when you're kind of hitting... Or, well, not mid-20s, but, you know, I suppose just before 23, yeah, 24, I, kind of... Yeah, oh, yeah, 20, 20, 
like 23 turning 24 kind of time when I kind of entered that like you know and I and I stayed there for about four and a half years of doing that really like you know and it was uh that was a time for me where I was kind of like still searching for something like you know searching for something that I can attach meaning to or attach myself to at that time like oh geez like fuck it it was just a lot of drinking and a lot of partying and a lot of trying to be this other person like you know because like Mm -hmm. when I left Thai boxing right I had had a relationship for five years and that broke down in around the same time as the Irish title fight and I was really after kind of like I was I was like turned upside down really because uh, like life as life was shaking me by the ankles and seeing what was coming out like, you know? And uh, so I had that relationship finish up and I had a Thai boxing career kind of go to shit as well. And I was like, right, who, who the fuck am I? Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Who am I? Am I, am I this person's boyfriend? No. Am I, you know, am I a Thai boxer? No, I like I did, and those were my two main kind of areas of attachment. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. somebody knows, like, who who are you? Like, if if they're an engineer who plays GAA, right? They lose their job and they uh, injure themselves to the point where they can't play GAA anymore. They're 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 gonna have two areas that they've kind of you know, like you said there of Jim Carrey, that avatar that you have it's not you mm-hmm. but it's a collection of the things that you you know that you collect in life you know what mm-hmm. i mean and that, and that is like me being a tie boxer me being this person's partner or whatever like you know so yeah. um i was then like again like thrust into that kind of idea of like searching for who the fuck i am you know and uh yeah i went through uh, like i i started working then in um selling cars became a car salesman um really enjoyed it actually for a first while and found great fulfillment in it but fuck it Jesus it was just like it was a lot of money that I was earning at that time for a young fella and I enjoyed spending it socializing and in bars and just um, kind of got caught into that loop you know like yeah, I think yeah. you know there's there are two real times where you can do this it's like during college if you're like you know you can just fucking party hard yeah. party yourself hard Right, and if you and if you get through those college years after partying really hard, sometimes you can kind of go right. That's it. Now you know I've got my piece of paper out of college and I've left that shit behind. And you can kind of start to mature and move forward. Gotcha. And a lot of people, you know, and I didn't. And so when I when I got a job and I finished college and I didn't really have a sport to kind of keep me on track, I was like, well, fuck it, let's have at it. Like you know what I mean? Let's <laughs> yeah, let's yeah, fuck yeah. It make up for last time here you know so uh, that's that's kind of the mindset that i was in like you know and um i suppose as the hardy books um as as the hardy books said smoking drinking and writing for a couple of years was it kind that was what was on the cards (laughs) basically that was basically all that i was concerned with really but like and and at all times having like one half an eye cocked backwards and kind of going right you know how do we how do we kind of get back onto some sort of a track like you know because there was some dark times as well during that time where fuck it like you know i don't know how many country and western singers have made good money on making songs about not finding happiness at the end of a bottle because like you know it's true like you know what i yeah, mean like yeah. you know, jesus fuck it well like i had some brilliant crack and i moved abroad over to canada mm-hmm. and i made some great friends and 
had some great times, but there was also the other side of the coin where I was like, fuck it, Jesus, I'm not in a good place mentally, like, you know, and, and I wasn't in a good place mentally for a lot of the time too, like, you know, so there was ups and downs, like, you know, literally roller coaster, like literally up and down, could never really have that, have like, I couldn't even stitch one week together really where I was like on the level, like, you know what I mean? Mm. It was like, I either had to be on fucking cloud nine, soaring above the fucking sky, or I was down in the doldrums. Do you get me? There was no like, I, I couldn't have normality, let's say, you know? Yeah, and of course, the fucking, the drinking obviously isn't helping either, like, because you're drinking and then you're fucking down the next day. And what's the best thing to do? Cures in the cause, like, just fucking go back on the beer again. That's sort of thing. They're all over, like, do you know what I mean? Uh, you, so, you're working as a car salesman. You go to Canada. You come back. Why, why are you, you get... Am I right in saying that you get that job back again, driving your Mini? <laughs> yeah, I do, yeah. It was like, do you know when you leave a job and you're going like, fuck it, I'll never, you know, I'll never be a, an accountant again, you know, or whatever. <laughs> I'll never be this or that person or whatever. It's like, I swore nearly on the fucking Holy Bible, like, I'll never sell cars again. <laughs> and the second I came back, basically, when I moved, when I went back over, right, uh, this is a funny story, actually. When I came back over home, all my money was still in Canada because I came back home like really suddenly, right? I got I, there was a passing in my family, and I had to be brought back over home like fairly quickly, right? And so I left like on 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 fucking on, like literally the day the next day I was gone. So I left Canada, and then I started to use my Canadian bank account because I had had some money from. from from work, I started to use my Canadian bank account in Ireland, right? And yeah. they froze my account because, like, I, I've been using it in Canada, like, that day and then using it in Ireland the next day. They're like, what's the fucking story here? And so I built up some, I had built up some credit card debt over in Canada that, like, Jesus, I, like, I, I didn't really think about it while I was living over there, really. Like, no, it was mad, 600 quid or something. But I got paid and then... I tried to take some money out or whatever, and then I, t- I actually did get the money, but then they froze the account. And uh, basically, they were like, oh, you're back over in Ireland. Well, we're going to use your money in your account. So basically, the account is frozen. I can't, I can't unfreeze it unless I called into a branch or whatever, like, you know? And so I, uh, because basically they had had this particular bank and had issues with expats, like, you know, with, with, with people that were coming over from the UK and Ireland and all that kind of stuff, not paying credit card debts or whatever. So basically okay. they were like, you know what, we'll just, we'll just fucking freeze the money and you can come into us and have a chat with us or whatever. Anyway, so because I had had this debt built up and so I had no fucking money, right? And I was, I was living at home and my parents were feeding me and all this kind of stuff. I was like 26 at the time. Maybe I was just turning 26. Yeah, 26. And I... <laughs> I um, I fucking was living at home I was happy I was blah 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 and the, uh, I was like fuck it I'm running out of money right and this is such a funny story right the, 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 my buddy my buddy's birthday uh, was on and I was talking to a girl on Tinder right this is a funny side, sidebar here and I remember saying like I was meant to be going out on a date with this girl and then I said to her, look, I'm actually going to have to cancel the date because I don't have any money because they've frozen my account in Canada. Like, so I don't have any money. I like, we'll have, like, we'll have to reschedule and do something. I, I like, I have to sort out my, my funds or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Oh my God. Yeah, no, so, so, so fine. So understanding about the whole thing. 
And then my body rings me. Now, he didn't even know that I was back in Ireland. Obviously, I was doing funeral things and stuff like that. Didn't really, you know, wasn't contacting many people, like, or whatever. And he was like, you have to come out tonight. It's my birthday, and I'm going over to, to, to Chicago in, like, two days' time. So you have to come out or whatever, blah, blah. And I was like, man, I have no money left. And he's like, how much money do you actually have? And I said, I have 20 euro note in my, bank, in my, in my uh, wallet. And I, and I was like, uh, and he said, that's perfect. Come to my house. We have, we're like, I got, he was working for a whiskey company. He's like, I have loads of whiskey and I have loads of beers and everything here. There's a big party going on. And then we're going to have a big party, blah, blah. And then I'll get you free into the nightclub and I'll get you a drink or you can get yourself a drink and you have money for a taxi home. How does that sound to you? And I was like, do you know what? You make an awful lot of sense. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, when, you put, when you put it like that, <laughs> when you put it like that, I've got plenty um, so money. Rock yeah. So I rock up anyway, and I'm actually inside the nightclub after fucking drinking a heap of whiskey and all this kind of stuff. And who do I see inside there? Only the girl that I was meant to go on a date with. And I'm there like, oh, Jesus, what am I going to do and get out of this? Anyway, managed to get out of it or whatever. But basically on that night, I met my old boss. He was having a couple of drinks and I met my old boss. And he said, Connor, we're starting up a new dealership. I'd love for you to come in and chat about maybe coming on board with us and helping us out and you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, do you know what? Fucking grand. You know, I, I said to him, I didn't really, I was like, oh yeah, cool. Kind of being polite, like, you know, like, oh yeah, that's grand. And I said to him, I said, look, fucking, you know, send me a message, right? Not really expecting that he'd even remember because he was, you know, he was probably as drunk as I was, you know? Yeah, yeah. Next day, anyway, next day, get a message from him. Hey, Connor so-and-so here do you want to come in and have an old chat with us about you know come and start and work and sure fuck it i was back doing it again <laughs> and i was back selling cars again. and the fucking thing that i had said a hundred <laughs> over that i wasn't gonna do i fucking did and it was just ah um again loved it for a while do you know it was it was the typical run of my life i was fucking sky, up in the sky on cloud nine fucking having a laugh and then the next thing i just i just didn't find the fulfillment in it you know what i mean and i did and there was something you know yearning within me like i wanted something more like, you know but i just that's i just know, didn't when you talk about like the one thing to do something more i find that very interesting you know and i, I kind of see that in myself you know i'm always like oh god you know i'm fucking sick of this job now i need to move to the next job you know i'm very like that myself but i always actually kind yeah. of envy people that are you know willing to just slog it out in a job even though they don't like it in a sense you know i'm kind of envious of that you know they're just staying in the same job day after day and they don't like it i'd be like i'd love to be just able to put up with that like this. <laughs> you know what i mean because it would be much handier for me like if i if i could I just think put up with it. i think like restlessness in a job is just absolutely maybe it's not really a modern phenomenon maybe fucking don't like people say i jesus before people used to stay in jobs for 13 40 years and stuff I think people were just shitless that they wouldn't get another job. See, that, you know? was, that was it too. Once you feckin', you know, you might have just one skill picked up and you hold it for the next 45 years, like, and that's it. You're not getting out of that vice for another 45 yeah. years until you're retiring. But I, I don't know. Like, it, right? Is it from watching too much fucking YouTube or what? Like, do we have our head in the clouds a bit or what? I, I don't know. Like, that's, that's what I kind of think. I couldn't tell you, like, I think everybody wants to be an entrepreneur until they realize what it is to be an entrepreneur and, and like, you know, the work you actually have to put in to be an entrepreneur. Do you know what I mean? And then, you know, I think a lot of people do want to do that. Like, and then the thing is, it's like, 
you know, when you have a boss, that's kind of like there's, there's a boss and there's a paycheck every month. Like in ways it's comfortable, but in other ways there's that kind of, you know, it's, there's always that constant impetus to show up and to do your job and to do work. And so if you, if you're not a person that's going to be able to motivate yourself, you know, you know, it's going to be like, it's like, I do think that people do always think that the grass is always greener on the other side in terms of getting a job or maybe starting their own business or whatever. I do think that people think that the grass is always greener where as no, in the frame of mind that I'm in, no, like if I was in Thai, if I was in uh, Thai boxing, if I was in car sales, no, I wouldn't necessarily be thinking about what I hate about the job or whatever. I'd be thinking about why do I feel like I there's something better or mm-hmm. why do I feel this way about the job is it's because it's something that's coming from me there's loads of people in this place that could do that have been doing this job for 20 or 30 years why am I not like them do you get what I'm yeah, saying and yeah, what's yeah. what's from within me that makes me feel like that not necessarily the job but what why why do I think this fucking way you know what I mean and um if you if you if you get to the cause of that like I feel like I could probably sell cars right now and find fulfillment in it. You know what I mean? And finding in it as well, because it's it's not the job. It's it's it, and it's it's it's. I don't think it is ever the job. I think it is your own way of looking at it. Now there's another side to that coin as well, where you're like, there are certain times where you're like, right, you know what? I really have like a huge ambition to be a a florist, but I don't want to work in spa. I want to fucking open up my own flower shop. That's something different because that's like something that's coming from within you that's pushing you in a certain direction. Whereas mm. if you're just like, fuck it, I hate this fucking job. I wish I had another job. You're like, okay, well, like, why, why is that coming from you when, when, when these other people can find enjoyment out of it or they can find fulfillment in it and you don't have necessarily something that's pulling you out of the job. It's just something that is within you that wants you to fucking give up this job. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It could be coming from you, like, you know? Yeah. Um, okay, so I want to bring you back again because yeah. are you, you're, you're working in the, in the car sales again. Are you, is this, is this kind of heading towards your lowest point? Because I know you do hit a very, very low point at some point, but I can't actually remember. So do you want to kind of where? There's, there was multiple points where I was like, flirting with the idea of killing myself you know like you were suicidal like weren't you absolutely like you know and i i I, like there were there were many times where i had really really gotten into you know i had never made an actual attempt to be honest with you right and it was like more so and i think that people can actually really relate to this it was like a more so passive feeling about i wish that my life would end you know what i'm saying and it was like you know, if, you know, if my, if I wasn't to wake up the next day, I'd be just fine with that. Like, you know, and, and that's, that's the way I was feeling about it. And there was, there were times where I was at, where I was drinking, where I did flirt with the idea of jumping into the river. I, you know, I, I, I'm open about it because like that, you know, it's, it's something that I definitely feel like, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to dance around it. Like, you know what I mean? In terms of it being an uncomfortable subject or whatever, it's like, yeah, I've definitely thought like that. I've definitely been in those times. But it was where that was coming from, for me, that's the more, you know, more important part. You know what I mean? It was like, um, I feel like 
you know, um, we ha- are constantly searching for like what is our meaning and what is our you know thing. It really can be whatever you want it to be. You know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. not necessarily. It doesn't have to be fucking anything really in terms of like for me today, right? Let's say you know, I I was I was doing uh I was doing uh, like I was wrecking a hike um that I'm doing with a company. I'm I'm doing a, a corporate hiking um gig for um. International Men's Day actually on Friday, right? And I, I had done a, um, I, I kind of was thinking about today and how it was going and stuff, and I was like, you know, my meaning for that morning was, you know, getting up and doing a hike up the mountains and making sure everything was going to be okay for people that I'm bringing up on Friday, right? But then my meaning was coming home and chopping up kindling for the fire. You know, it can be whatever, whatever is you can attach meaning to within that day is, is, is meaningful, full in your life. Whatever facilitates your life can be your meaning. You know what I'm saying? So like even washing the fucking dishes can be meaningful to your life if it, if it allows your life to move forward. And you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. so, but I think I was overcomplicating it at the time in my life. I just felt like I was trapped in a rut and I, and I felt like, I didn't have a way out, you know, I didn't have a way out of feeling like that. I couldn't get off the fucking roller coaster, like, you know, and, and that's, that's what I think was pulling me towards the idea of ending my life. Like, you know what I mean? And, you know, thinking back on that time now, there's no emotional attachment to it really. You know, like I, I felt like you go through those times and you get to that point. And if you can pull yourself back from it and become comfortable in it, I think there's a lot to be learned from it. Like, you know, and it'd be a, a lot of, there's a lot of things that I know that I don't want for my life. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's, it. that's a, as good as knowing what you want from your life, you know, is what you don't want, you know? And when you're, when you're in it, like when you're down in the dumps, like, do you know, like, do you know that you're really depressed? Or are you just thinking like that this, you know, I'm not sure. Like, but does it feel like you can get out? Of it? How am I going to put is there, do you know you're depressed or do you just think this is a way of life? Do you know that kind of way? Like, Yeah, I think I probably didn't, like I did and I didn't at the time realize it. But I felt like I was, I felt like what I had was what, you know, what they call manic depression, where it was like, I would go into depressive states for a period of time, but then I'd have periods of utter relation. You know what I mean? Up on cloud nine, absolutely the business flying everything's going great and it would just be as well they're not knowing who i'm going to wake up to as well you know it was like a fucking imbalance like you know there was mm-hmm. like a, a chemical imbalance or something like that and that's i suppose what depression is is chemical imbalances you know what i mean but i definitely feel like uh what i was going through in terms of my mood what i i didn't really know what other people were experiencing but i just thought I think this is wrong. Like, you know, I think this, I don't think life is actually supposed to be like this. You know, I think, I think life is meant to be a bit more. Also, I felt like I, I, yo, there was a lot of things. I was leaning on a lot of stuff as well in terms of like, I definitely played the victim in my own head a lot, you know, poor me, you know, Mm -hmm. always me, my hands up in the air, having a bit of like a pity party within myself. And then that pity party kind of leading me down the line of, you should fucking, you know, you, you'd be better off now if you, if you weren't here, you know, that kind of way, like, and just, yeah, 
end your life now and all this kind of stuff. So it was, it was, I had to unlearn an awful lot of stuff, you know, cause like basically when bad shit would happen, like, you know, me getting knocked out in that title fight or me having that relationship end rather unharmoniously and whatever the case me, I tend to like retreat within myself and have this pity party and have this kind of victim mentality. And sometimes it's okay to kind of go, Jesus, Connor, that was kind of a shit thing to happen to you. You know what I mean? That's okay. Like, you know, but to lean on that and allow that to be an excuse for the way you're acting or treating yourself or treating other people. I don't think that's right. You know, and I think that that's what I was doing, you know, and I was definitely using that as a crutch to, you know, to explain why, how, how I was treating myself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so like when shit things happen, shit things are going to happen in our lives all the time, Dave, you know what I mean? Yes. You know, the story, you know, things, things, shitty things will happen. And that's because life is unpredictable. You can't control everything in it. And so I had to get used to that idea that I was going to have to build resilience. You know, I was going to have to build resilience to take negative things and take setbacks. And that's why I think I've been so much better at taking the setbacks of the, the you know, the DNF and the failure to finish in Kerryway Ultra. You know, I've definitely uh, taken, you know, the, the, the second postponement of Project 32. Taken, I've taken these things quite well because, not because I've fucking trained hard. It's because I've actually given myself the time to learn the lessons from the past. And I've actually given myself the opportunity to, um, to actually build that internal resilience, not just resilience that keeps you putting one foot in front of the other in a race, but resilience that keeps you putting one foot in front of the other in life. Mm-hmm. And like you've, you've obviously built up a very analytical way of like, you know, getting to the bottom of your feelings. No, like, have you based on your past experience, like you have a framework that you're kind of putting through your mind you're like you know we'd say for instance after your dnf in the carryway ultra you were probably feeling shit i assume for afterwards mm. you know but you had the support mechanism you could say you could fucking ask yourself a quick number of questions and then you could you know you could make yourself or i suppose you could talk yourself out of the feeling you were feeling straight away because you knew that you know yeah. you you had these support mechanisms that you could rely on I think it's important to allow ourselves to feel things. Do you know what I mean? Allow ourselves to feel shitty, like, you know, allow ourselves to feel disappointment and feel heartache and feel, you know, feel the, the sting of failure, like, you know. And so I didn't rob myself of that because if you don't, sometimes it's like, it's like people at a funeral that take things too well, right? That This would be typical of me as well. Take things too kind of well and then end up later down the line like really having a very difficult time with it you know what i'm saying it's like if you don't allow yourself that time to grieve or you don't have you know for yourself or you don't get give yourself that time to kind of sit in disappointment it, it will come at some point and it will be at a point where fucking you'll have a shit day and some shitty stuff will happen and then you'll think about it you'll think about fuck me jesus christ you know, this is happening and I'm after fucking doing the, you know, I'm after fucking DNF in that race and I'm after failing there. And then, then it just compiles. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I definitely sat in disappointment because I, fuck it, you know, it was a lot of time and effort and money spent in, in preparing myself for that. That's okay. Like, you know, it's just, yeah, yeah. you know, it's okay to feel shitty about it too. And then, so I, I, I allowed that to happen. And then I kind of, after the initial wound, I kind of said, right, 
what I always say is I'm going to be my own best friend here now, right? And it's like your best friend pulls up next to you on the couch, sits down and kind of says, do you know what? Con, you gave it your all, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You've nothing to prove to anybody but yourself, like, you know, and, you know, if you've proved what you wanted to prove to yourself and you really believe that you gave your all, then you can, you know what I mean? You can fucking hold your head up high and be very, very proud of what you've done. And uh, that was the best friend that wasn't around when I was fighting or when I was, you know, doing these things. But it was the best friend that was developed through understanding myself and understanding that life is kind of sometimes shitty and life is unpredictable and life is sometimes marvelous and beautiful. And so the the best friend, uh, like in me, you know, within myself, being my own best friend, takes a level of honesty with me. Like is very honest about where you know what maybe went wrong and what I could have done better but also it kind of like shows me compassion mm-hmm. and kind of says, right, do you know what? I think that, um, you know, you gave it fucking everything and you, you, you live to fight another day. You live to lace up the runners again and to do whatever you want to do. And like when one thing ends, like it's like there's only one outcome, you know, there's only one of two outcomes in an ultra marathon, right? If you're running is you finish or you don't finish, right? That's the, those are the two outcomes, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you, let's say, get to that outcome or you know, whatever, then you are given 50,000 different outcomes of what can happen in the next stage of your life. And so if you see it like that and you see it as an opportunity to maybe, you know, uh, you know seek out some of these new opportunities, it definitely makes it easier to, to, to you know, to, to move on with things and properly move on, not just bury shit or like mm-hmm. distract yourself with something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like yeah. if you if you latch on to something straight away, straight away, which I was doing. I was doing that with, with Kerryway Ultra when I was, you know, training for Project 32. I was putting another distraction in the way, putting another barrier in the way, putting another thing in there that was going to you know, get keep my mind occupied and not allow me then to actually deal with the Kerryway Ultra failure. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, not, and not, not allow myself to ever get over that. And so by not having that distraction and by, and by looking at it fairly honestly and looking at it, in a, you know, in a compassionate way as well, it allowed me to, 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 you know, to really deal with it and to move on with it and to, and to allow that it might come back up again. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, mm-hmm. to, and, and to, allow that some days I might fucking feel shit about it. You know what I'm saying? And it's okay. Cause yeah. you know, I know that I'll have the tools to deal with it, you know? Yeah. And I think a lot of it is to do definitely with, you know, I suppose compared to like, you know, all our parents times, you know, like there was, there was a lack of opportunity and, you know, I think a big problem for people now you're a couple of years older than me, only, only five. Um, yeah. But you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunity for us and there always has been like in the sense that I suppose like for my parents anyway, you know, they, they didn't go to college, but they wanted us to go to college and they wanted us to do so many things. You know, they wanted us to do all the sports and they wanted us, but it's so hard, like, and too many options. As I think, I think it was Matthew McConaughey said it in one of his speeches, too many options will make a tyrant of us all. And it will fucking drive us mad. Too many options. But like obviously what I'm like what I'm hearing from you is like you've become better at picking your option and whether it's the right or wrong option, you're orienting yourself in some direction that'll get you to a better place. And like I suppose as the saying says, it's easier to turn a turn a moving ship like. Absolutely. Like I think to be honest, like the, like what I've kind of come to realize now is that 
you know, sometimes the opportunity is to, is to, is to kind of sometimes do nothing. Do you know what I'm saying? Sometimes the opportunity is to actually give yourself that time to reflect and to rest, you know, and I, that's a new one for me because the other, like any other option was, let's see what we can do. Can we do this? Can we fucking run this? Can we, you know, fucking pull this up here and do this and climb this mountain and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, right, do you know what? Let's just fucking chill out and actually realize what we actually want. Because like, I feel like as well with, because this, this, you know, uh, kind of like Instagram, you know, uh, era and the persona that you have online can make you, can hold you at ransom sometimes. Because you're like, all right, okay, well, I, I failed at the ultramarathon and now I'm after postponing Project 32 and everybody sees me as this ultramarathon running fucking super machine kind of guy. You know, do I have to keep that persona up, keep the persona up, keep the persona up? And then it makes you fucking like run on a hamster wheel and get tired. Do you know what I'm saying? And so Do goggins at us. Absolutely. So I'm like, right. Well, the thing is, I, I'm not going to be held ransom by the people that follow me because they, they follow me because they obviously, you know, they get something from the way that I'm living my life and not just that I fucking run long distances. Mm-hmm. But all, but that, you know what I mean? That I, I do things... Uh, I do things that are actually beneficial to me, not just things that pull pull something from me in terms of my you know mental and, and physical endurance. You know what I'm saying? So I think there's there's a lot to be said in the world that we live in now, especially like with um, you know with everybody kind of saying be productive and do this and you know do the that. mentality. Like yeah, it's like just fucking you know sometimes kind of go right. Well, look you know. Can we rest? You know, can we fucking, but like, can we rest properly? You know, like, mm. can, can I rest properly? I, I didn't even know if I could rest properly. You know what I mean? Because like, you're always thinking about something. You're thinking about the next thing or you're not eating right or you're not, or you're not treating yourself right. You're not fucking sleep going to bed early or something. So there's always something that is kind of there that, you know, you may, it makes you realize like, you know, right, am I actually resting properly? And I think I'm only kind of starting to get that now, like, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, from that and from the resting properly, I'm going to become probably the best at version of an athlete that I've ever seen me be. You yeah, know, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like as well, that's quite similar to like, I've, you know, this year now I started college, like I was working as a fucking uh, EHS officer and environmental technician, but I was kind of being pigeonholed down an area I didn't want to go to. So, you know, eventually I was like, fuck that. Like I need to get out of there. It's, it's not for me. Like, mm-hmm. so, like I was, and you know, like, cause I've, I've read Jordan Peterson's book, you know, 12 Roots for like brilliant book. Like, and I genuinely think that it, it is really good and it has helped me kind of, you know, you know, I suppose navigate just through this kind of tricky bit where I don't know what I'm doing. Now I've never gotten felt down about it. I'm just kind of like, I'm, I don't know which way I'm going, you know, I'm kind of playing left the field at the moment. I, I could go in any direction, but I'm kind of like orienting myself. But what I did take on board from, you know, what he said is, you know, when you're young, you have to kind of optimize your time. That is be productive with it. Now, that's not over overheating like you mentioned there. That's, you know, doing as much as you can fit in. But, you know, being able to balance them so correctly, you know, and that's hmm. kind, of, kind of what I'm doing at the moment. And I think, to be honest, you've, you've kind of influenced me in that as well. You know, you, you have, you've seemed to have struck up a kind of a handy enough balance now between ever, everything. And I kind of want to ask you about your business now do you want to kind of talk about 
your uh, your business and what you're kind of doing for yourself nowadays because you're not actually working for anyone are you you're kind of self-sufficient now yeah so like I, I like the thing is I I've got I've bits and bobs you know that I'm doing all the time like tomorrow I'm talking to uh, I'm talking to a company about um, about you know mental health and well-being practices that people can bring into their day-to-day lives I suppose you know and through that kind of building resilience and building this ability to take on you know certain things that happen to us throughout the day or whatever like you know what I mean it's just it that's that's kind of mainly the what I talk about is along the lines more so of well-being than mental health per se because mm-hmm. mental health is kind of different in terms of uh, it's kind of a bit more serious. Whereas like well-being is like our simple practices that would absolutely make no fucking difference in somebody's life who is dealing with severe depression or anxiety. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, these well-being practices that you can bring into place. If you're kind of feeling a bit shitty on a day, it will make you feel great. And if you put them into your practices every day, you will have a far less chance of developing, um, you know, of developing a serious mental health issue or of, you know, of getting burnout or of, you know, um, as you said, they're overheating, right? You know, so I talked to companies about that. I'm talking to the University of Limerick on, on much the same, um, much the same uh, uh, topic on Friday as well. And I've, I've also on that morning, I'm going to be doing a hike um, with, um, with a software uh, company called Tenable. So I'm bringing them up for a hike in the Dublin mountains and um, it's, it's for their international men's day, but it's for men and women to come, to come and do it. But it's, and then, you know, I'll have my own, my own kind of hikes that I run as well. And I'm hoping to actually branch out into far more outdoor uh, adventure events that I'm just fucking interested in, really. You know, like, do you know, like doing things for work that you're interested in. Like, I actually said it to, to Mel, my girlfriend today, like, you know, she, she's far further down the road than me on this uh, uh, of being, a, you know, an entrepreneur in the outdoor sphere. And she's just created a fantastic community of people and you know it's an an admirable you know and it's something that I look upon and I kind of go wow that's incredible like you know and so I was talking to her today as we were coming off the trail because we both hiked the trail today with our dog and came off the trail and I said isn't it just amazing that my work today was to hike a mountain you know Mm -hmm. it was the hike mountain to obviously to you know to make sure that everything was okay and that like maybe there wasn't any hazards or dangers or whatever the case be of the route and that I was familiar with the route and that I was going to be able to navigate the route nighttime and all of these things and so um you know it was definitely um it was definitely and that kind of you know brought it to my attention yet again of like you know, I don't ever want to be in that position because even if even if you do find a job that you love, you can you can do it to death. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You can do it to the point where you don't love it anymore. I'm I'm really really conscious of of that of you know of striking that balance. But yeah, yeah I definitely feel that not having a boss uh, suits me. You know, mm-hmm. and it's not so much that I. You know, there was lots of different, you know, ideas that I had had about why I didn't like having a boss. Like, you know, I, I didn't really feel like sometimes 
sometimes I felt like, and this is something that I was probably, it was unfounded confidence within myself of, I felt like I could do a fucking better job. You know what I'm saying? Mm. That, you know, and if you're, if you're, if your boss is telling you something to do and you're like, I'm actually could do a better job than you were doing this, you know, maybe you probably couldn't only maybe that was a fucking excuse that I was coming up with, you know, to make me yeah. feel better about whatever. So, I, yeah, not having a job and having an, and being an entrepreneur brings its own struggles, brings its own, um, you know, uh, challenges, you know, and which I like, you know what I mean? And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm new to it and I can make mistakes and that's okay. You know, like there are, there's, you know, there's definitely, it's definitely every day is a school day, you know? Um, mm. But yeah, the main thing is for me is to create a business that, you know, I think it allows people to more so connect with the authentic self. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? With like with who they are as a person and like, you know, that you don't have to you don't have to live in a way where you're not you don't feel like you're capable of dealing with the day ahead of you or you don't really feel content within yourself when you're going to bed at night. Mm-hmm. And 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 then, you know, everything in between is gonna be different every day. You know what I mean? But if you can be if you can be, you know, fairly assured and confident within yourself when you're getting up in the morning and when you're kind of like, and you feel like you're content within yourself going to bed at night, you're doing something right between those times. You know what I'm saying? So I, I do feel like uh, like tying in the outdoors and tying in what I love to do with the ideas surrounding well-being have, you know, it's it's been incredible uh, for me to get the opportunity to do that, you know, and share that with people, like, you know? Yeah. I think um, as well, I think it was Alan Watts. I don't know if you know him, the philosopher, like he said that if you have, you know, if you, if you work long enough and hard enough at your, your passion, you can turn it into a career and look, that looks like the way you're heading. But I think even on that, like, I think to be able to do that, it takes a certain type of person. I mean, you know, we can all look at hiking. Now we're not all as passionate. We're not passionate about hiking, a lot of people, but you are and you're passionate about the outdoors and treating the outdoors with respect. But you know, to a normal person with I suppose two dimensional vision, you're kind of thinking like, how in the fuck am I supposed to make money from this? You know? But I think yeah. it takes a certain type of person. Maybe there's the little ball there are the big balls of the guy who was who was able to put himself in a ring at the age of 21, 22, and take a battering, give a battering, you know, I think as well, that says something about your character, you know, not everyone is able to do that, whether it's in the, in the fighting that you did when you were younger, and I know you m- might look back at it now and say it was kind of stupid, but to me, that's cor- you have courage enough to do it as well, and I think the courage enough to stand on your own two feet and actually go towards creating your business, now with the outdoor adventures and things like that, and the, the corporate speaking is brilliant. I just think it's unreal. I actually do. Um, but, and you have your podcast on the side, which I presume that must be taking a bit of a hit at the moment with the, um, with the amount of work you're doing. Cause I remember, I, th- I don't know which episode it was now. And you goes, I fucking, you said, I haven't been here in three weeks or something. And you said, just because I'm a lazy bastard. You said at the start of it. Yeah. That's basically because like I, I was, that was, um, that was episode. That was only three episodes ago. I think I was like, was I, that the social panafi or the the? It could have been actually. It could have been um, the first social panafi part one, and that yeah. was that was basically like I was coming to it, and I was like, I could make all the excuses in the world, but like I had the opportunity and the equipment there to do it. I just didn't do it. You know what I'm saying? And so like if I, you know, if I didn't, um, 
if I, uh, you know, if if I'm not doing it, then that's, you know, it, it's it's only because I was fucking being lazy about it, like you know, because mm. there, like, I think that's you know that again, that's that honesty, and I talk to people about that about having like a high level of personal accountability. If you want to be, if you want to feel like you have a lot of control in your life, be fucking honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself and what you do every day. If you come to the end of the day, you go, Jesus Christ, I couldn't have fucking done that now because I didn't have time or whatever. And then you look at the amount of time you might have spent on your phone or whatever, like, you know, and I've been there too. That's the, this is the reason why I know it. I'm not, I'm not looking down on someone and going, oh, what the fuck are you doing? You should be doing this, but you're scrolling through yeah. Instagram. I scroll through Instagram as well, like, you know what I mean? And I, I find myself and catch myself doing it. It's, it's you know, it, it's these, uh, it's the human fucking, you know, uh, the human weakness is we go for some things that are comfortable and not the things that kind of pull us to do work a lot of the time. You know what I mean? Because we weren't actually really built to be working all the time. All we were really, really built to do in terms of our genetics was to fucking feed ourselves to have fresh water and to have shelter and all of us kind of have that bo- those boxes ticked and so it's you know it's it's the if we have those boxes ticked right this is not this is you know spiraling off into something else but if we if we have those boxes ticked why are we constantly pulling ourselves and tying ourselves in fucking knots about being productive about something because we have to be doing fucking something right if we're getting yeah. those you know, we're do, if we're doing those things in life you know, and I was literally only thinking about this today, about our basic needs. And if we're doing that, we're doing fucking something right. You know what I'm saying? And we have to give ourselves a bit more credit for that. But like, yeah, it's like being honest with myself. Yeah, I was saying like it, it had been three weeks and it looked like I was like, you know, putting out the episodes every three weeks. But there was no grand design in it whatsoever. It was just fucking laziness, like, you know? Yeah, yeah. I actually, you know, on your point about the, the fucking about us like you know that we're not built to be going all the time that's fucking very true because if you watch a nature documentary any animal in the animal kingdom there's nothing that's going for 18 hours a day flat out flat to the mat like and only sleeping for six there's no animal that does that like and you know that's kind of what yeah it's kind of being pushed you know it'd be coastal mentality like you know what i mean um but yeah the other thing and i mentioned it to you earlier um was there like this was of my own opinion. Like I did a podcast a couple weeks ago by myself because I wanted to just have a go, you know, you know, airing my own thoughts and being able to, I suppose, run my mouth for a couple of minutes. Like, so I ended up getting 30 minutes on it, but I mentioned in it there, like to me, you were the first person I came across on social media that was very sincere and authentic. And, you know, you, you talk a lot about mental health and I really believed you. And I suppose, that's probably, I, I don't know if it's kind of, you know, um, I suppose inconsiderate of me to say, but, you know, a lot of the time you see, and I suppose it's, it's a reflection on social media as a whole. There is a shit ton of insincerity on it, you know, because you, could, you can meet a girl, mm. or a girl or a guy that you know is having a shit time and they'll have up on their fucking Instagram, you know, the next day, you know, oh, Jesus, drinks with the lads, or, you know, a fucking post taking a picture in some fucking bar in dubai or something like this and you know they're having a great time but you know that's not true but then you see like the same people then posting about you know mental health issues and things like that and that's kind of what i found what i found i didn't like about the whole mental health you know chat 
and until until I saw your page, which is why I asked you, you know, like why I actually was very drawn to. Do you think is that a big issue for people? You know, you know, the insincerity around it, or is that me just being inconsiderate? Do you think? Um, I think that there is there's a lot of um, there's a lot of the you know uh, people that would be dealing with maybe having a bit of a bit of a tough time in their lives and they might think that they're actually like in crippling you know fucking depression or anxiety and I think that that's the that's the line that you have to draw is like you know are you dealing with a serious mental uh, mental health issue here or are you dealing with having a bit of a bad time you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. it's like you know but like I think the thing about mental health is and the reason why it is such a kind of sometimes touchy subject is because you can't see anything it's like if i cut you with a knife you could see how deep the wound is you can see how you know how long the gash is and how you know does that like a doctor be able to tell you how many stitches it needs Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying right whereas you know my mental health issue you might never ever hear me say anything about it whatsoever until i turn up dead right Mm -hmm. and that's and that's the thing about it is like People can talk. People can talk openly about their mental health struggles, right? And they can talk openly about those things, and can sometimes feel, you know, look insincere, or maybe, maybe because they have a more of a cardboard way of talking about it. You know what I'm saying? It's like they have a way of talking about it that seems kind of scripted in a way, because they may have had to write it out and they may have mm-hmm. had to fucking, you know, practice it a few times if they wanted to talk about it and they wanted to get it out in the open. So. I think like maybe, you know, there are a lot of people that there are also maybe a lot of people that don't deal with mental health issues, have not really dealt with mental health issues in their own lives. And so they just can't relate, you know, they just Mm -hmm. can't relate. And they just feel because they have, you know, because it is quite a, um, uh, a, quite a, a, you know, I don't want to say in vogue, whatever, but it's like, it's kind of a, an it thing for, if it's an it thing for companies to be talking about it, it's an it thing for other people to be talking about it. Do you know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? And so like, I think that when that happens, you will get an outpour of people talking about it. And so because it's become so prominent and become such a talking point, then it's very, very difficult to see the sincere from insincere. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because there are going to be people that will talk about it for their own gain or for their own, you know, for, for their, for, to create a perception maybe online. You know what I'm saying? That they are, mm-hmm. that they are, you know, pro, pro, you know, pro mental health and pro uh, well-being and all of these things. And I think that, you know, that's in some ways very human because, we do, as I said earlier in the podcast, we want to belong. We want to belong. We want to be part of the tribe. We are a tribal animal. We are a pack animal. We do well in, in groups and smaller groups. So, you know, they just want to feel like they belong or are accepted. And so they might have been fed 50 different times from different things, whether it be parents or teachers or peers or whatever, that they don't belong or maybe that they don't feel like they have it. Even if on the outside they look like their fucking lives are great, they might have had this kind of script written for them in their own mind that they don't or whatever or something like that. And maybe that gives an attachment to them that they can feel like they belong if they're talking about mental health, whether they have went through 
you know, mental health difficulties or not. So I think for me, I always just try and understand where people are coming from, you know, like, fuck it. Like if we, if we ended up listening to every single person and every single person's mental health issue, Jesus, you'd be having mental health issues yourself. You know what I'm saying? Mm, like, you know, yeah, would, yeah, yeah. so like, I think for me, it's like, you know, even sometimes just limiting other people's, my interaction with other people in general is a good thing for me, you know? So like limiting my interaction with, when I, when I seek to know more about something, I'll go out and I'll seek it. I will seek to know more about that. But whereas like where social media comes in is, as you probably have experienced now is it's in your face. And as somebody who like, I'm, I'm very, very happy to hear that you haven't had any mental health difficulties, right? Mm -hmm. It is it is it is great like that to hear that you know somebody saying look yeah do you know what i might have had some shit times it felt shit at certain times well, i don't fucking have mental health issues or whatever mm -hmm. like that you know when you're online and you're not necessarily looking for anything i'm not you're not looking for you know you're not looking for fucking literature or for videos on mental health but it's there mm -hmm. because it's put out there i think then it can become frustrating for people whereas like if i go into google and i search you know how to deal with mental health difficulties. And I get that. I'm okay with that. But if I go on to, you know, fucking Instagram and I'm here, you know, I'm seeing things written down or I'm hearing things or I'm, you know, watching videos or whatever that are to do with mental health. And it's just completely like, I'm not there for that. It's like, I bought a ticket for this movie and I ended up in the other theater. Do you know mm. what I'm saying? So, yeah, I think like, yeah, that's, that's a big thing. You know, I suppose for young, younger people and, and younger girls and younger boys, especially, I suppose when they're kind of introduced to Instagram and stuff. So, so young, I suppose it's like a big thing for them is, you know, you don't have to pathologize every fucking feeling you have, you know, you can't, yeah. you, you don't have to, you don't have to have a mental health struggle. You can just have a shit time. Like, you know, like you just said, you can just have a shit time and just have a shit time. You don't have yeah. to, you know, pathologize it and make it become something worse than it is you can actually get over it it's okay to be over it in the next day or a week's time you know and you don't have to if you don't want to you don't have to post it on social media you know that's okay too but you know yeah. that, i suppose that's probably what i'm trying to say and i just put it badly the first time is that I think that sometimes there's people pathologizing their feelings straight away without, you know, no, and I'm not saying that they, sh you know, when things go on too long, there's cl a clear problem there and they should talk about it to someone. And, yeah. you know, who am I to say if someone's struggling or not? I've, and I, I would never say if someone is insincere or not, I might think it, but I would never say it out loud, you know, that kind of, I'm like, mm, I'm questioning that, you know, but, you know, everyone to their own. I think I've gotten to a point where I'm like, you know, maybe there, there is something there that I'm, that I'm not entitled to even understand, do you know, that kind of way. Yeah, no, it's like, I, I think you're definitely like, I don't think that there's anything wrong with what you said or whatever, not, nothing at all. Like, you know, I think that like, you're just trying to understand something, you know what I mean? And, and I think people trying to get a better understanding from of somebody else's point of view is fantastic. Very, very admirable. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, no, I think for me, it's like, right. Um, especially younger people that that's it, it could be one of two things it can be fucking la launching a flare in the air of like you know this is the way that i'm reaching out for help or it can also be like me lacing up the tie boxing gloves it's like you know a bit of spotlight you know what i'm saying and maybe like th them getting a good feeling off of people you know people comforting them or whatever the case may be that's completely you know that's plausible as well 
So there's 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 a lot of different sides to it. I think like you know, as long as the right people get the right messages and the right you know, uh, and uh, and like um, get the right help that they need or whatever, I think that's that's the best thing that we can go for, that we can hope for. You know, like a lot of if there are people that are insincere or whatever, they are probably not you know seeking going going about and actually seeking the help in terms of like you know. Um, mending the mental health issues it's it's more so maybe you know a surface level and um, thing whereas like the people that are properly dealing with it i think they are getting you know getting the help that they that they need i think that's what we're looking for really is the people that are struggling are getting what getting what they actually need out of it and i think you know i never as a, as a corporate speaker i never try and cross the line of like trying to be therapeutic in terms of like you know psychoanalyzing psychotherapy or whatever i'm very much on uh this is my personal experience is what I've used and it's made me feel better about, you know, my day to day life, you know, maybe there can be some wisdom in that for you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I won't keep you any much or much longer now either, because I know I you, you shit to do, but, um, so what's coming up for you in the near future business wise and, um, sporting wise, I suppose. Business wise. Uh, I'm very, very, excited about a lot of different things i've got a a live podcast that i'm going to be announcing soon that i have uh, i have a guest lined up really really good guest lined up um uh, to do the pod and i've got um so that's that's a really big one the next thing i have is a um i've got I'm setting up workshops for bushcraft so like basically like living off the land um, firecraft, uh, creating shelters, water filtration, like natural water filtration that you can actually do out on the ground. Um, like there are, there are guys out, you know, that I'm going to be, um, that are go- I'm going to be hiring to do this uh, course and they can actually filter water using mosses. And, um, you know, all of these like really cool survival techniques. Um, I'm going to be running those courses throughout the year. Um, those are the two main things I'm definitely going to be exploring more opportunities to do multi-day trips multi-day hikes camping out wild camping and cooking over an open fire all of these aspects that I love about the outdoors so um, that's kind of what's in the pipeline work-wise um, in terms of like running-wise and endurance-wise I'm pointing way down the line for Project Turkey 2 and what what's what is really on my mind now is to like literally start at a white canvas and strip it all back and start from ground zero and rebuild this, you know, ship that has been, that has been sailing out the seas for too long. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, uh, really give a lot back to myself and see a lot back from it you know what I mean from and maybe you might not see that a lot back maybe I might get injured again and maybe I might be back to square one and you do it on a bike uh, yeah exactly I'll have you do it on a bike I'll do the 32 32 I'll do the project 32 on a bike I'll do whatever I don't know what I'll do but um, that's kind of what's coming up the up up the the you know ways for me really like is just just trying to rebuild, just trying to get to the point where I'm like I'm fucking enjoying my training again and fucking you know loving going to the gym and I'm loving getting back into it like you know. Mm. Do you want to give some parting knowledge, so Con? Um, 
I suppose we'll wind it up here. If you want to just say yeah. a couple of final words on, I suppose, you know, mental health or what, what, what way you can help people. Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, uh, what I talk about a lot is the development of resilience, right? And I think that, you know, people that are able to, um, you know, are actually able to deal with things on a day-to-day basis, that is actually just resilience. Like, you know, and resilience is gained through, it's gained through experience, right? And so my three pillars of building resilience is accountability. So being honest with yourself, like, you know, don't, it's like I pointed a lot of fingers at a lot of people throughout my life for the, you know, for why things weren't going the way I thought they would and why, you know, um, my life wasn't going the way I, I thought it was going to go. And so by looking more internally and taking a lot more personal accountability, being honest with myself, I definitely gave myself an awful lot more freedom and a lot more control. And the second thing was that, I was going to be compassionate and I was going to actually realize that I'm a human being. I make mistakes. I'm fallible. I'm not perfect. And I will, you know, I will try and do my best. And through that as well, to always think about my intention. What was my intention in what I was doing? And so if my intentions were good and the result wasn't the, what I, you know, what my, you know, weren't in line with my intentions, what can we do to improve on that? If the intention is good, that's half the battle. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, the result will look after itself if you follow through on the intention. And the last thing was for me to be grateful, but like not necessarily for me to go, oh, Jesus, every day wake up and fucking go, I'm so fucking grateful for everything that I have and all stuff or whatever. You'd be tired fucking thinking about it. Like, you know what I mean? So for me, gratitude was like a tool that I was going to pull out and use when I felt like things were kind of going a bit shit, you know, or something fucking shit might have happened. And I kind of go, right, okay, well, look, um, we got up today, boy, and we had food in the drawers. And, you know, I, we, I, we made ourselves a nice breakfast before we got out here. And, oh, now my fucking car tire is flat. Do you know, that's shit. But, like, look, I'm after, I'm, at least I've got a full fucking stomach, you know what I mean, or mm. whatever. Losing proximity, like, like, how close is it to you like, in terms of the action? And that's where gratitude comes in. And it's a, it's a buzzword, really, you know, in, uh, in social media circles and in, you know, wellness is, oh, yeah, practicing gratitude. For me, it's just like, right, I'm going to think about something that's kind of been going well for me today if the day is kind of going shitty. And you know what? It does, honest to fuck, it, pain, it does definitely, it, what it does sometimes is it calls you out on your own silliness. And you're like, you know, like, ah, you know, you're fucking feeling shit about like, um, maybe you, you know, something might have happened and you're kind of going, well, look, at least we had a, you know, we actually fucking had money to do this or whatever the case would be. And then you're kind of thinking, wasn't it kind of fucking silly to feel shit about what had happened mm-hmm. anyway? You know what I'm saying? It pulls you into a different perspective. So those are the three things that I say to people to kind of not to really like use or implement in their lives, but you just even think about, you know, think you know, has there been times where I have blamed other people for something that might have been my own, something, you know, to do with myself? Or was there a time where I, you know, have given myself too much of a hard time? Or has there been a time where I've been engulfed in something shit that happened and I couldn't see the forest from the trees? Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. Is there, you know, think about it in that way and um, I think there's benefits to it, like, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think that's a nice message to finish on, Khan. Um I want to sign off by saying um, good luck to your mother. 
in her finishing her studies. Yeah, thanks uh, very much. No problem. And I'm sure she'll be very good at what she does. Um, and the other thing is, thank you very much for your helping hand. There was the, one of the first economists, Adam Smith, talked about the invisible hand um, and how it like, you know, rectified markets. But I think, you know what, forgetting the, uh, the whole rectifying markets, it was um, Conor O'Keefe's invisible hand got me. Go- oh, that sounds very wrong. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, but anyway, it was Conor O'Keefe gave me a helping hand starting off um, on, um, on, on my, my podcast journey without him even knowing it. So thank you very much for that. You're a very admirable character. Um, and you're definitely putting out a really, really good message. And I'm going to say it again very sincerely. And I can, you know what, I can actually hold my hand in my heart and say that you're the exact same as, you know, I would call you a friend now. And you're the exact same as you are online, as you are, you know, talking to you here now. Um, so thanks very much for coming on. And thanks for giving me a hand starting out. No worries at all, Dave. Look, I wish you the very, very best of luck with the with the podcast. Um, I look, you're you're doing a really, really good job of it. Uh, you're a very good interviewer, so um, I really do wish you the very best with it, my man. And stick with it. And there's gonna be many times just talking from myself, you know, where fuck it, you might not be arsed. and then you kind of go right. You know what? I have something worthwhile to do here, and you'll do it. You know, so mm-hmm. keep keep going. Thank you very much, sir. We leave it there.